Today on Lockdown Red Wings, more of Cider. Is he slumping or just simply adjusting? Also, third period collapses, why they're happening, how to prevent them, parlaying that right into the game preview against the San Jose Sharks. You're Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Lockdown Red Wings podcast. We are your hosts, Brian Fisher and Scotty Bentley. I am a podcast producer for the Daily J, WWJ News Radio podcast. Well, Scotty is a freelance journalist for the Detroit News, as well as the host of Locked On Tigers. And today we got a few things we're going to talk about ahead of the game preview. One is Moritz Cider. This is the second half of this topic comes courtesy of uh, Cider House Rules on Twitter as well. It was uh, the second half of his question that he brought to the table on Twitter the other day. And I thought was very good for an off day discussion. We talked about his first half, which was Andrew Kopp a couple days ago. Now we're going to talk about Moritz Cider and uh, where he's at so far this season. The reigning Calder winner hasn't been playing bad. But he hasn't necessarily been the more excited that we saw last year, where it's just single-handed domination. Uh, we'll talk about that, and then we'll talk about the third period collapses that continue to happen on this team and their inability to play whole 60-minute games and then right into the Sharks preview. But going back to more Cider, Scotty, like I teased, he, he hasn't necessarily been bad thus far this year, but he hasn't necessarily been great either. And that's something... That's interesting to know when you consider the fact that last year, what he did on this Red Wings team with who he was paired up with and who the rest of his teammates were surrounding him was nothing short of a miracle. And then coming into this year, you think, okay, if he can bring that same level of play on a roster, that's way better. I mean, he should take a huge step forward. Now I've seen models that projected him to take a small step back and that's not anything really to do with him, but more or less teams adjusting to him. The, the, you know, the sophomore slump, as people like to say. And so far this season, we've seen that regression. He's got, I think, what, five assists so far on the season. They're all secondary assists, none of which are primary. He's got no goals. And across the boards, stats-wise, advanced stats-wise, he's shown a step back. But he hasn't, and I want to emphasize this, he hasn't been bad. He just hasn't been the single-handed domination that we've seen. Scotty, what had, like, are we seeing a sophomore slump from Moritz Sider, or is this just a, a time where teams have adjusted to him and we just have to wait for him, like Lucas Raymond did, just trying to wait for him to adjust back? Yeah, I, I think... The phrase sophomore slump has a weird connotation to it. And I think Sider's situation is unique and probably not on par with what most people would consider a sophomore slump. I think most people consider a sophomore slump like you have a really good rookie year and then not like fall off the face of the planet, but like you take a like step backwards. Like you take like a big step back in in the sense that you are your viewpoint the fan base's viewpoint of said player can like change and the the direction of the 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 player's trajectory can change in the viewpoint of a lot of people and i 
it's early in the season. And like, if this level of production maintains through 82, maybe this is a different conversation, but as of, you know, like pre Thanksgiving of this year, I, I don't think I'm ready to label it as like a sophomore slump again. Like, I think that he he is certainly making adjustments and other teams are certainly making adjustments on him. And, and he has not been as productive as he was last year. Like that's just objective truths, right? So there's, there's, that is, you know, proof is in the pudding. Like that's real. Uh, But I think there's a difference between he's struggling and playing poorly and like, Oh my goodness, Moritz Sider looks like a totally different player than like, Oh, he just didn't take another gigantic leap forward and isn't just like setting the world on fire. Like, I think those are two like very different things. And he's probably just in the middle of, of those two scenarios. Yeah. And so where I lie with on this is if I'm being honest, I think he is, slumping a little bit and that's not necessarily to say like he's a fraud or anything by no means is he a fraudulent defenseman he's still a stud a star in the making and this happens to so many teams in the league uh, or players in the league rather and we we've talked about it we talked about it with Lucas Raymond is you know this is now after having won the Calder there is an expectation on him to go out there and replicate it. It's the novelty of it has certainly worn off as like coming into the league and just dominating. It's no longer a surprise. It's now the expectation. And I think that coupled with the fact that there's a ton of tape on how he plays hockey teams are learning how to play you teams know that you have a incredible patience on the blue line. And so they're going to be more patient and re- patient in response and not just swing their stick at you at one time. I mean, they're going to be playing you based on how they've seen you play. And I think it's an adjustment period for more Sider because this team is also better on paper, but keep in mind, again, it's a new coach, new system deployments could be different. And I, like I said, the expectation on his shoulders is different as well across the board. Like I said, he has, his his production across the board has decreased. His expected goals against per 60, his expected goals for per 60 are, well, higher for expected goals against and lower for expected goals for. Um, Corsi percentage, Fenwick percentage, all lower than it was last year. But defensively, he's been in his own zone pretty much the same as he was last year. In fact, he has gotten better in his... um individual blocks and individual takeaways per game or his individual giveaways has gotten better. It's gotten lower and his individual blocks have gotten bigger. It's just his, his takeaways per 60 has decreased as well. So you're seeing it where defensively in his own zone, he's fine. It's on the offensive side of the puck where he's really lacking so far this season, trying to find his groove. As I've stated to start the episode, no primary assists, no goals, it's just a matter of time, though, I feel like with him because the things have changed. No two years are the same, and the novelty of being the exciting rookie is gone, and now the expectations have set in. And I'm not raising the red flag on him yet. Yes, I admit he is slumping a little bit, but that's not me saying I'm worried about him. That's me saying, okay, give it time. He's 21 years old. <laughs> I mean, he's going to take time. So while it is you know, a little, I'm not going to say disheartening. That's not the right word. Um, I, I wish he had come out and 
been exactly what we had seen last year, but that in a lot of cases isn't realistic. So I'm not worried about Moritz Sider. I don't think it's a full-blown imposter syndrome. I just think it's going to take him time to fully develop into that player he was. So many players come into the league and light the world on fire, and then the next year, this just not there the same, and it takes him another year or six months even to just get back to that level. Lucas Raymond, thankfully, didn't take him that long. It took him just like 10 games. But here we are. It's just when you have expectations on your shoulder to be a stud, it takes a while to live up to those expectations. Yeah, and and I think there's a point in there that is really important as well. And, like, this is a dude that has played now in part two seasons at the NHL level. He has played in two seasons in the NHL level and has had two different head coaches. Like, that's that's not a light thing for a young player that's not a light thing for anybody on this team for as much as we talk about the areas they need to improve and whatnot that's been something that we have made very clear in all of our points when talking about anyone is like this is a brand new system and also not only a brand new system a large overhaul uh, uh, on the roster like this is a this this was a huge offseason so like I, I think just across the board like he's playing with a a I keep wanting to say line mate, but his, his partner on the blue line is someone that he not only has never shared a blue line with, he's never been in the locker room with until a month ago. Like that's completely different. The forwards in front of him, a hefty majority of those are completely different because of all the overhaul that happened with this roster. So I think it's it's something that, and it's not. This is not just a cider thing. This is everyone. I, I think that this goes into the entire team. Like this is a a new system, new coach, a vast amount of of uh, overturn on the personnel side, like the player personnel side as well. It, it's just it's it's all different, and it's I I view cider specifically back on topic. I just view it as like growing pains. Like yeah. I don't view this as as a, as like you said, I don't view this as anybody's opinion should change on Moritz Sider based on the first month of the season. Like I, I think that this is just everything is going to take a little bit to to click, and and this is just a growing pain thing. And and I'm hoping that it's like that way with the whole team and with a lot of other players that we've talked about as well. And but but for Sider specifically, I, I he's too talented. Like it's it's something that that very few players on this team or really even in the NHL can talk about having that much talent at that young of an age. So he's, he's too good to fail in my eyes. And I think it's just some growing pains. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And I thought you brought up an excellent point there when you talk about who he's paired up with. I mean, last year we joked about, you know, dragging around Danny Kaiser and Jordan Osterley, and now he's got a much better defensive partner in theory and Brent Ben Sherratt. And I don't think Ben Sherratt's been bad either. In fact, I think Ben Sherratt's, you know, been exactly what we thought he would be uh when as they've brought Give him in take us, yeah but i think that that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to benefit more at cider i mean more at cider and ben Sherratt have to form chemistry if they're going to form a good defensive pair not to say that cider and danny the kaiser were but it was a different dynamic and i think sure. they're both still adjusting to this whole new dynamic of playing together i mean ben Sherratt is a very physical defenseman in his own zone um, with the capability of stepping up in the play. And I think Moritz Sider isn't used to playing with a defenseman who can actually play both sides of the ice very well. 
They needed Kaiser late in his tenure, had to highly rely on playing defensive defense because of the fact that he wasn't as mobile as he used to. And Jordan Osterley does the same thing just because he's a, yeah, I hate to say it, but like a fringe NHLer in a lot of ways. I mean, he's the seventh D man on most days. So, you know, Mort Sider had the expectation of having to do it all. And now he doesn't have to do it all, but there's probably still an expectation that he does. So it's like finding that balance of being who he was last year while also sharing that responsibility. So I think that's a huge part of it too. I'm I'm with you where I think it's just growing pains. I'm not worried about, even if the whole year's a down year for more inside year, I think that it's just a growing pains Agreed. year for him. If at the end of the year, it's still a down year. He's still, what we saw last year was too good to be a fluke. That's all I'm saying. Agreed. Yeah. So uh, when we come back, we're going to transition into talking about these third period collapses. Scotty's got a ton of really depressing facts to bring up. Um, and then we'll parlay that right into a, a very exciting game preview of the Sharks. Um, and we'll talk about that. But first, I got to talk to you guys today about Bet Online. BetOnline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there, from football to basketball to soccer and esports. They've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. They're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting fix. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Segment two, Locked On Red Wings podcast. Scotty and I are going to move in now. Let's talk about those third period collapses. That was something we kind of touched on yesterday. I said we were going to get to, and then it kind of got lost in the translation of just everything that we had to break down. Um, They're not rare so far in this season. In fact, they happen to varying degrees in almost every single game that the Red Wings have played. Either they happen big time or they happen on small scales like we saw last night. Um, for instance, last night, you know, they let up that goal with like 45 seconds left, but it was more than just that. They got heavily outshot, at, um, in the third period. I think it was like nine to four considering all situations. Uh, they blew two power plays that turned into penalty kills because they couldn't stay out of the box. And of course they allowed that goal of 45 seconds left against the bad Anaheim ducks to tie the game leading to the overtime loss. This just is a continuation of the Red Wings playing decently through the first two periods and then absolutely falling apart in the third. And we saw it with a six goal, uh, a six goal third period against the New York Rangers. We saw it with, you know, plenty of goals against in the third period against the Buffalo Sabres. I think that was a four or six goal game, third period against those guys as well. Uh, Boston Bruins is another one that turned into blowout. New Jersey Devils. This team just has not been able to put it together. And I, again, I, this is, I had a hesitancy talking about this, Scotty, because I don't want to sound like I'm beating a dead horse from what we had the conversation last night. And the conversation last night was an extension of conversation we've been having in every loss this season thus far. But this third period collapses are something we saw a lot of last year, and they continue this year. And standings-wise, the Red Wings have the same amount of points through 16 games as they did last year with a much different roster. And there's a ton of arguments you could be making as to why that's the case. But it is something that warrants a conversation as to why do they have the same number of points through the same 16 games? And, you know, third period falling apart. Why does that continue to happen, man? I just, there's it's very frustrating, and I want the bleeding to stop. Yeah, for sure. I I think that one part of it that I can't stand is 
we talked about it at length last season with the Blashill team. It, it gets a little dump and chasey still at times. They are not – this is not a, oh, Blashill's gone, the dump and chase is gone. That certainly is not the case so far this season. Uh, I don't think it's as dramatic as it was with Blashill where, like, you'd get a one-goal lead and then for the next 45 minutes it was <laughs> just – dumping and, and chasing or just dumping and not even chasing. Uh, so I, I don't think it was, I don't think it has been that dramatic, but it is certainly a thing. And like they, they do it. And that doesn't really excuse the, oh, we're down two going into the third and then we lose by, you know, six like that. Those games are just, that's a, that's a different conversation that we can have too. But with a lead, they still give up goals late. Like they still, the teams uh, can claw back into a third period against the Red Wings. And Huso has been phenomenal, which has helped us a lot. But the style of play with a lead looks very eerily similar in the third period than it that it did when Blasio was the head of the team last season. Um, as far as the team. <laughs> when they're losing and then the losses turn into embarrassing, you know, unbelievable blowouts. I, I mean, that's the that. game at Chicago was a blown lead. You, you allowed two goals against for them to tie it in the third period. I mean, it's, it, it's, it's like I said, varying degrees, man. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know, for the, like I said, for the games that just get out of hand and turn into blowouts late, that's just, a throwing in the towel mentality, which I don't think any fan is really going to be super appreciative of or, or super on board of, to be honest. But um, I don't know. I don't know if it's uh, they they definitely apply more pressure when they're like down two and like trying to get back into it. So I'm not saying that the dump and chase thing is just universal across all these games. Like they're all unique in a sense. But the games that they blow leads in late where it's tied and then they lose or, or whatever, there is a, a lot more dump and chasing going on than I would like. And I think that pretty much anybody would like after the last three years that we've been to through with that. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's been very bad. And I mean, that's just a, a portion of a broader issue as like, why we talk about, raising expectations and i feel like i say that all the time uh these well, it's days across the board and yeah, like that's the problem you, is you team like you will blow and it's it's not just like oh the defense needs to be better like yes obviously that's true but you cannot we talked about it every do you remember last season when we would lose like close games and blow leads late and every single game we'd have the same discussion where we'd say Wow, it's almost like when you stop being aggressive on offense, you just allow the other team to just dominate the puck for the you know ten straight minutes, that you're going to blow yeah. a lead. Like that, that that philosophy is still real, and like again, it's not as dramatic as it was in the second half of last season or just last season in general, but it is certainly still a thing. Like it's it's all around. It is yes, the defense needs to get better, but but you can't. It's not like the offense just gets to be off the hook now. Oh, we scored three goals or up 3-1 or whatever. I guess that's it for the offense. We're just like, good. Like, no, like that, that it's, it's everything. And, and we, so we've talked about goaltending and, and that and everything. Like, 
it, it, it's everything. Yeah, I mean, I think it was Prashanth Iyer that pointed out that last year's team was better at five on five with a completely different roster. And I mean, there's so many, there's so many arguments that could be made as to why this team's at where it's at. I mean, you know, some people are saying, okay, yeah, you brought in a lot of new talent, you spent a lot of money, so you would think they're a lot better on paper, which they are. But also, that's the reason why they're not playing as well. It's because it's a you turn over half the roster, and it's all new guys learning a new system from a new head coach. Plus, you've been inundated with re, uh, injuries. So, like, mm-hmm. yeah, on one hand, that doesn't help with the team's performance and play because that really messes with your chemistry when all that is constantly going on at the same time. But on the other hand, it's like okay, but those players you brought in are a lot better than the players you had on this team last year. So, and a lot of them are veterans, so they should be able to just slot right in. In a lot of in a lot of ways, and just go, and they haven't. I mean, David Perron's gone pretty cold over the last couple of weeks. He was on fire to start the season, so I mean, not to call him out individually, but he just popped in my mind. No, so it, it's just one of those things where I think both are correct. I think you're. It's fair to be critical of this team's failings th- so far through 16 games, but also recognize that there's many factors. I think it's a little bit of everything, and. You know, we, we are in an industry where fair, realistic takes don't get clicks. But I mean, that's it, it. It's that's the struggle of what this team's doing right now. They are a lot better team, but they're a lot better team trying to learn a lot of new things at the same time. So I don't know, man. It's just we. I talked about it last night, and I, I'm kind of done with the conversation to be honest, because I'm just ready for them to break this losing streak and stop the bleeding. But I'm just frustrated. Four straight losses, man, and it's just. Two of them have come to teams that are like bottom feeders in the league. And I just you, <laughs> don't speak too soon. It might be three right quick. Yeah. Yeah. So I just, I'm, I'm done with the losing, man. Go out there and win a hockey game. And, and we'll talk about the preview Go for the San Jose Santa Sharks Bay. coming up uh, next on Lockdown Red Wings. Segment three, Lockdown Red Wings podcast. Let's talk about the San Jose Sharks game. We talk about the Ducks being a get right game, but I guess this is a get right game number two. Get right game two, Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> Um, the Sharks are sixth in the Pacific Division. Uh, they're six, nine, and three for 15 points so far this season. They're not very good. They're carried, their offense is completely carried by an aging Eric Carlson, who has been unreal, having just a, a revenge year. I don't know what to call what he's having because who would have expected Eric Carlson? Year. That's what it's called. Turns out you stay healthy and elite players can become elite players again. And he's been healthy, and he's got 24 points in 18 games, played 10 goals, leading the team, 14 assists, leading the team. Odds he finishes the season on the Sharks? Oh, 0%. Okay. The the problem here is, like, why would they not trade him in his value as high as it is? And they're a rebuilding team. But the problem is he's getting paid, like, $11 a year. And he's got four years left. Yeah, well, the thing, yeah, but if if they're they're rebuilding, they're terrible. Like, who? okay, they can afford to to retain half of that. Yeah. But, I mean, if he can keep that if you can keep that, pro- we might get a pretty penny for him if they eat, uh, like millions of dollars. Like if they eat, uh, a oh, they get legitimate part of the contract. They might like, get a, a nice old return for him. A yeah. team going for it, they're they're gonna they're gonna Absolutely. get a haul for Eric Carlson if he keeps this pace up. Uh, Timo Meyer is also uh, performing well, fifteen points yeah. in eighteen games play, as well as Thomas Hurdle. But after that, it's it's kind of a steep drop off in points. Uh, goaltending. Propped up by James Reimer. Uh, they were just peppering him in net every single night, and he's still got a 909 save percentage. Man, yeah. for a guy who's been a backup his entire career, he's been doing really good things for the Sharks yeah, the last two right years. There, man. 
So good for him. But I mean, the Sharks, they're sixth in the Pacific Division. Uh, power play wise, where they sit right now. Uh, San Jose Sharks, where are you at? Well, they're not 15th. At the they're well, 15th. They're... What was that? They're 15th, yeah. On the power play? Yeah. Why can I not find them on the penalty kill? My eyes are deceiving me right now. And they're I'm second looking like on the fool. penalty kill. You are you serious? Oh my God. I was looking at the bottom. Holy <laughs> crap. That's why. That's, That's why I couldn't find them. in the NHL, baby. Well, that doesn't bode well. Okay. So. For a team like the Red Wings, who needs to score off the rush and score on the power play to win hockey games, going up against the second-best penalty kill in the league, what do you got to do to win this hockey game? Yeah, You have to be better than the San Jose Sharks on 5-on-5. Five five. You have to. You have to outplay them at, at full strength. You should. You are better than them. You are. You are more talented. You have better players. You are a better team. You should absolutely be better than them at five on five. They have a great penalty kill so far this season. <laughs> Please be better than the San Jose Sharks at five on five. Yeah, like I can't even comfortably sit here and be like, like, I, I don't know. I'm they're on a four-game losing streak, so my recency bias has kicked in on my expectation for the Red Wings. And so like right now I'm like, I can't even expect them to go out there and win this hockey game with how they're playing, which I guess I think is pretty reasonable to be honest, but they should beat them, but I just don't have faith that they will right now. Yeah. So uh, yeah, the Red Wings, let me know if this sounds like a good hockey team to you. Okay. The Red Wings are 23rd in the NHL in goals for a game, 25th in goals against, that makes them 26th in their goal differential. 22nd on the power play, 17th on the penalty kill, and 30th in faceoffs. Does that sound like a very good hockey team to you? No. That sounds no, like a it lottery doesn't, team. Does it? No, it does not. <laughs> it just, man. And comparing it's... it to the Sharks, they're like about the same at everything. You're way better than them in net. The Red Wings are a top 10 team in save percentage. That's obviously been a huge strength and is. I mean, honestly, we can call a spade a spade. Like, probably the reason that they're even over 500 at the moment. Um, and so you're way better than them in that. And besides that, they are the about the same or better than you as a team in, like, team stats pretty much across the board. The San Jose Sharks are are either at or better than you in every other stat I just listed. They're better than you in goals. They're tied with you in goals for. They're better than you in goals against, which makes them better than you in goal differential, barely. They have a better power play. They have a way better penalty kill. And they're better in the – they're a 19th in faceoff. They're a top 20 team in the faceoff circle. This is I, a, the San Jose Sharks. I got nothing. I honest to God have nothing. I mean, this yeah, is – that sounds super encouraging. I f man, I just – You're the underdog. I know it's on the road. I don't care. It's not like you just showed up in Cali. You've been there for a week. I'm. You're the underdog against the San Jose Sharks. <laughs> Man, I, I know it's 16 games in the season, but at what point can you stop saying it's early yet? You know, we have, I said it the other yeah, day, but we have sure. enough data on this team to recognize trends and. Yeah, they're on an L4. Like, obviously, morale is not high and like we're being super pessimistic and like this is super discouraging and whatnot. They turn around and, and, 
you know, win for, then like I'm sure morale well, will be theme. a lot higher and we'll be talking about a different conversation. But like you just lost to the ducks and now you're an underdog against the sharks. Like I like that's all your none of your stats are like, oh well, the ducks game was a fluke. Look, we're better than the sharks. No, like all of your team stats are pretty much the same as the San Jose Sharks. So that's that's my my thing is you know internally I'm struggling because I know they just came off a three game winning streak against good teams at that. And things were looking really good and they were looking up and now they're on a four game losing streak. And I'm trying to stop myself from saying what I is on my mind, which is maybe this team. Yeah. Maybe this team isn't as good as I thought they were. And maybe this team is bad, but they shouldn't be. And that's the thing that's fighting me is why would Eisman go out and make all these acquisitions if he thought this team was going to be bad again? Like this, by all means, like this shouldn't be happening. And it, there's so much lot hockey left to play. I'm trying not to be like getting with the recency bias thing. I'm trying not to let these last four games dictate everything, but they've got to get a win here soon. They've got to get a win here soon. If they want to, they want to salvage anything. I, I don't know. I don't want to be what's the word I'm looking for? Like doomsday guy, you know, it's like sounding the sirens and everything, but this is bad. This is bad. And again, there's so many factors. Like we've talked about the injuries. We talked like new coach, new system, new players. Like uh, this is a a a huge, like growing pain season, but like they still should be better than last year. And, and they like were a lot of the right. And, and uh, like the deals that they made in the off season are for like longer term, right? Like it, it wasn't like, Oh, a bunch of bandaid one year players. Like this is a, a, an attempt to like build a core going forward. And it's very early on in that process. And that's just something to, to remember. Again, we have never said that this was a playoff team at any point. And I think, for me, like I, I just go back to what I said yesterday. I'm like, I, I just think this team's going to be super inconsistent. I think they're going to be better. I think by the time game 82 is over, they're going to have, we're going to look back and be like, yep, this team was definitely better than last year. They took steps forward, but they were just wildly inconsistent on a night to night basis. And for all the reasons that we just listed. Okay. Cause here is my issue. Right. And my issue is, I find it very hard to come in here on a night in and night out basis and telling the people who come to listen to us, it's going to be okay. They're going to figure it out. All I have to say that on is faith. And when the dad is preaching the other way, right? I don't want, I, I'm going to, I don't want to sound like a, a, well, a it'll dumbass. It'll be okay <laughs> is also a relative thing. Will it be okay yeah. against the sharks? Who knows? Maybe not. All Will I have it be right okay now. two years from now? I think we both still believe in the direction of this team. I don't think no, yeah. the first month of the season has derailed our opinion of like the future of the Detroit Red Wings. But like, all I can I, say I right now, no one can promise you that we're going to beat the Sharks at this point, which is definitely a discouraging thing to to like say out loud. But I, you know, th- there's a difference between. Is it going to be okay against like the next game or the next week of games or the, the last month, next month of games versus like the direction of the entire franchise? I think I think the best thing I can say here to end out this episode is kind Bet of that online. It's a great way to end it out. That was a banger. And that was a banger. A bang. <laughs> um, buckle up, guys, because it's going to be a wildly inconsistent season filled with ups and downs. And right now we're seeing it down, but I think we're going to see a lot of ups 
left to come uh, yeah, as well. Yeah, I completely agree. I think we're going to be talking really high about this team at certain points this year too. And then yeah. we'll look back at this and be like, oh my goodness, remember when this happened? And then there will probably be another low point like later. And they like, will win spring. again. Like That's just how it's going to be. They will win again at some point. Right. Hopefully yeah, it's tomorrow. I promise they won't lose out. <laughs> um, over under six. Golly, what a dumb question. Uh, I don't know, dude. I'll take. You've been wrong a lot recently because you keep hammering the over. I know, but now I'm scared not to because then if <laughs> I know the first time I do, I'm going to be wrong. I am going to take the under, though. Yeah, I'm taking the under, an under game. Uh, yeah, for sure. All right, guys. Um, I won't be here tomorrow. Scotty probably will run solo as a game recap. Um, yeah, Pro- probably, probably, probably. If not, we'll recap the game on Monday. We guess we still got to figure that out. Um, but I won't be here for sure because I will be up at five in the morning on Friday to go out in the woods and hunt. So there's no way I'm recording a game recap after that game against the Sharks. Not happening. Uh, so we'll, I'll catch you guys on Monday. Scotty, we might we'll see you tomorrow. Brian week. <laughs> same time, same place. It's your team every day. Every day.